0: 2 Peter chapter 1 we'll read verses 1 through 11. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. The title of the message will be Giving All Diligence. Giving All Diligence. I'll read the passage and then and then give a little background and context and then get into the message Lord willing. So 2nd Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance, or you could say, for in this way shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Giving all diligence is the title of the message. And I want to begin by just giving a little background. This is Peter's second epistle, and this is coming from a man who knows he is about to die. It says in verse um, verse 13 of Second Peter chapter 1, he says, Yea, I think it meet, I think it appropriate, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me, Moreover, I will I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Now, the Lord Jesus showed Peter in John chapter 21 what type of death that Peter was going to die. You remember Peter who denied Christ three times, denied that he knew the man three times. He was a coward, just like you and I could have cowardly natures at times. He was a man, a sinful man. Yet, the Lord continued, the Lord didn't give up on Peter. The Lord converted Peter, and then guess what? The Lord Jesus prophesied in John 21 that Peter was going to die the same death that Christ died crucifixion and history would say it doesn't say in scripture but history would say that Peter refused to be crucified the same way that Jesus was because he didn't feel worthy to be so history says that he chose to be crucified upside down for our Savior Jesus Christ so I want you to notice the sense of urgency that Peter has in this message The, the, the very title giving all diligence that means make every effort exhaust yourself in this um, he will use use um, the term yes, stirring up your mind, putting your mind into remembrance of these things. He wants the saints to be equipped because he knows shortly he's not going to be there anymore. He's about to die. So this is coming from a man who has a message to give. And we are told that in this letter, sadly, there are some false doctrine and some false teachers that are trying to infiltrate the church. Just as it Pretty much all the New Testament that was going on because of sin, because of pride, because of whatever the case may be. But there was um, false teachers and false religions and, and, and wicked lifestyles that were infiltrating the church. And so what Peter wants, what he Desires for the saints here is that they will be equipped, that they will, as it says as he ends the letter, 2 Peter 3.18, he wants them to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I broke it down this way. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, I'm calling it Peter's encouragement. And then verses 5 through 11, I'm calling it Peter's exhortation. One of the main themes in this whole letter is the use of the word knowledge or know, some type of the use of the word knowledge or know or knowing. It's mentioned 13 times in this little short three chapter uh, letter. And this is a this is a this is a knowledge of God's word. This is not just a a mental ascent of, of facts that, oh yes, I know this is true, although Christianity is fact. But this is, as Warren Wearsby would call it, this is a living participation in the truth. Don't you like that? What does Jesus say in John seventeen three? And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is a intimate knowledge. This is a this is being under a steady diet of God's word and under the sound of the gospel. And not just at church, but in your homes daily, knowing more and more of the things of Christ. How do you know how to live if you don't have a guide on how to live? How do you know what to do in life? How do you know how to, um, to, well, how do you know how to to deal with what comes your way in life? If you don't have a guide. But praise God. We do have a guide. We do have knowledge. With which uh, comes from God's word. And a steady diet. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I tell you what I'm thankful for. Is now Peter. Peter's he's not wasting any time. I told you he has a sense of urgency here. He's not wasting any time. In exhorting these saints. You know, God hates laziness. Just read the book of Proverbs. God hates laziness and He will not tolerate lazy Christians. And so Peter desires to see the saints thriving and abounding in their walk with Christ. Specifically as as evil all around them is knocking at their door. And we know all of the Word of God is relevant, but this is especially relevant to us today. There's evil all around us. But, I want you to notice that Peter begins this letter with encouragement of who you are. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to know who you are in Jesus Christ. He begins this letter, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. If you have obtained faith, that means you have received it by divine allotment, Amen. nothing you could do could grant you faith. What do I mean by faith? The ability to to trust in Jesus Christ, to believe in Jesus Christ, to turn away from your sins and look to Christ. That is what I'm talking about when I'm saying faith. When we mention faith, <laughs> no problem. We love you, Sister Kathy, and praying for you. Um, nothing you could do could earn faith. Nothing you could do could earn salvation. Now, salvation is by works. It's by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it is by the work of the triune God. It is not by your works. I've said this many times here and because of Scripture. Your very best is what? It is a dirty rag. It is a right. filthy rag. So nothing you could do could earn this faith. But this faith has been given to you as a precious gift divine received by divine allotment brothers and sisters and this is only through the righteousness of Jesus Christ we believe in the, the scriptures teach total depravity we are totally depraved in our sins sin is pervasive it is like a cancer that just spreads through the body. What does Isaiah say in Isaiah chapter one? That, that it's like from the from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, there's wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. What a nasty picture that is! That is the picture of us in our sins, brothers and sisters. We are not only indifferent. We outside in our nature, we are not only indifferent to spiritual things. We are opposed to spiritual things. First Corinthians 2.14 The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he know them. For they are foolishness to him. Because sure. they are spiritually discerned. So the things of God in our nature would be foolish to us. So what is wise would be foolish to us. And what is foolish would be wise to us. But oh praise God. How do we receive this gift of faith? It is through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who bore our sins. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He bore your sins on His own body on the tree. He did that. He was made to be sin. Who knew no sin? Why? So that you would receive His righteousness. He takes your sin... You get His righteousness. What a precious and unspeakable gift that is. Amen. The unsearchable riches that we have. The, the the spiritual blessings that Paul talks about in Ephesians. And then guess what? <clears throat> he doesn't just leave us hanging. This is why I'm so thankful that as Peter, yes, he's going to exhort these people. Stir up your minds, your pure minds. But his foundation is, Jesus didn't leave you hanging. What does he say in verse 3? He says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You have been equipped, brothers and sisters, with all things that pertain to life and godliness. And you know where that comes from? Right here. It comes from God's word. You know, we've been so blessed in the United States of America. In the uh, span of church history, it's really a relatively short time where we where it's the normal it's the normal thing to have access to God's word, and not only have access to God's word, but have it in the English translation or or a russian translation or what you know but it is it, that is not the norm in the span of church history brothers and sisters you have that let's be honest sometimes these collect dust don't they when they shouldn't be collecting dust and we don't use what god has given us but you have all things that pertain to life and godliness everything you need to grow In your walk with Christ, you have. God has given it to you, given it to you and to to me. And so, because of this, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Aren't you thankful? For a promise making. And a promise keeping God. Believer. You have exceeding. Great and precious promises. As a partaker. Of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. That it has the idea of, of being in fellowship. In communion. With the divine nature of Jesus Christ. That is Peter's encouragement. And I could spend... We could easily spend all our time on that, but what I really want to get to is the now what. So this is true. Now what? Praise God for the righteousness of Christ that was imputed to dead, rotten, alien sinners. So now what? This is Peter's exhortation now. So he starts in verse 5, and he's going to give... Seven areas, seven seven different traits in which he is exhorting these Christians to grow in, to cultivate. Verse 5, what does he say? And beside this, beside what we have just got through talking about, these exceeding great and precious promises, giving all diligence. It takes spiritual sweat to serve God. It takes effort To serve God. God has has created you for good works. Not to save you, but it's the manifestation that you are saved. It is not the cause of your salvation, it is the result of salvation in Jesus Christ. Giving all diligence. We could say again, make every effort, exhaust yourself. In these in these seven traits, put forth some spiritual sweat. The most important thing that you could ever accomplish, and and of course we can't accomplish this on our own, we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, but who is it that's working in us? God is working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. But the most important thing that could be accomplished in our life is to be a growing Christian. It is to grow in grace, and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is this is to be your number one priority. And so, if we are, as it were, sitting on our hands, if we are neglecting the reading of God's word daily, if we are neglecting our prayer life, if we are neglecting just kind of giving into sin and not fighting our sin, because as my father says, our default, our default for every one of us, believer or non-believer, is sin. That's our default because that's our nature. We still have our sinful nature. And so if we are not constantly on guard in fighting our sinful nature and filling our minds and hearts with the bread of life, with God's Word, that's not good. This 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 is code red. This is important. Remember, this is coming from a man who doesn't have much time left on this earth, Brother Peter. He knows he's about to die. And this is an urgent message. And so, what does he tell them to give diligence to? What are you to put forth effort in? He says, add to your faith. Remember, the faith that you've already received, believer in Jesus Christ, as a precious, as an exceeding great and precious gift of Jesus Christ, add to that faith virtue. Virtue. What is virtue? It is moral goodness, moral excellence, it is purity, but actually in this case, it also has the idea of courage, of valor. We need some courage and valor in these days, don't we? And now listen, we could easily, I can do this so easily, I can point to so-and-so or somebody who may have more of a platform than I do and be like, man, he's a coward. He He needs to have some backbone and stand up for the Lord. Where I need to look back at myself and be, Nathan, what about you? What about you? Have there been times where maybe you've neglected praying over the meal at a restaurant because you didn't want people to think you're weird or something like that? When I say you, I'm talking right back to me. Maybe being uh, given the opportunity to maybe wear a rainbow sticker at work when you know it stands for they tried to co-opt the rainbow to mean something that God hates. But maybe we've given in to that or whatever the case may be. Not laughing at sin. Not laughing. Kids, not laughing at a dirty joke. That can take courage because maybe all your friends or everybody else is doing that and you don't want to feel left out or people to, to laugh at you. It takes courage. It takes virtue. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Now where does that boldness come from? Where does that virtue come from? Where does that valor come from? It doesn't come from within us. It comes from having the knowledge of knowing who? Of God and and His Word. You know... You may think, I'm naturally pretty timid. I'm naturally a coward. I, I don't have what it takes to, to stand up in, in, in this culture. I can't do it. Or maybe you're thinking of all the times where you have not been virtuous as you ought to have been or as I ought to have been. Thinking where you've messed up, and that, man, is Is there any hope for me? I want you to remember Who the Holy Spirit inspired to write this letter. I already said it earlier. This is a man who who said to Jesus before. He said, "If, if all the world forsakes you, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I'm with you to the end, Lord. Then you remember what happened. He denies the Lord. I never knew the man. He's cursing. And swearing, saying he never knew the man, denied him three times. But yet, the Lord grants repentance. The Lord grants forgiveness to those who are truly of a broken and a contrite heart. And he did that for Peter, and he will do that for you. If you truly come to him with a broken and contrite heart, yes, you can be virtuous, Grow in virtue. He says, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And I've already talked a little bit about knowledge. But this is, as one man says, knowledge. This really is the engine which drives virtue and all the other fruits. Because without knowledge, and what he means by knowledge is knowing God's Word. Knowing the Lord. Not just knowing Him again. Not just knowing facts. Not just a head knowledge. And we need a head knowledge. But when this head knowledge becomes a heart knowledge and when it gets down to our hands and our feet, that's the type of knowledge that he's talking about here. This knowledge will lead to right living. And I'm telling you, this can only come from a steady diet, a daily diet of God's Word, of being in His house, of being under the sound of the Gospel, and of having... Godly friends that you can be accountable to. You cannot expect to grow in your walk with Christ if you don't have those things. I'm sure I've said this here before, something my father said, and it really, really brought the point home. He says, how would you expect to live if you only have one meal a week, or maybe two meals a week, or three meals a week, talking about being in the house of God, if you're just there, you know, you, you 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 only eat on Sunday mornings, or some some you may have a Wednesday night service or Sunday night service, whatever. Even three meals a week, you you cannot live on that. You only have. You may even have a great steak dinner on Monday. You don't eat the rest of the week, and that's how your life is. You're going to waste away to nothing. Well, spiritually. It's very similar. It works the same way. You cannot expect to live and to prosper and to be nourished only by being in the Lord's house, which you should be, but then doing nothing else for your spiritual life throughout the week. He says, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. And then what will this lead to? They all tie in together to knowledge temperance that is self-control and now self-control this was very important this, this uh, back in the in, in this time that Peter is writing to is one of the false doctrines that was being trying to be infiltrated into the church was something called antinomianism and antinomianism believed that since salvation is all of grace and we say amen praise God it's all of grace but yet they would abuse that saying well it doesn't matter how you live anyway So just live like the world. Do whatever you want to do. Live it up. You're saved anyway. God's word does not say that. By your fruits, you shall know them. There is going to be a change in somebody who has been transformed, who has been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so what he's calling them to, y'all need to have some self-control is what Peter's saying. You need to have some temperance. No, you cannot give in to your every fleshly desire. You're a new creature. You're a new man, a new woman in Christ Jesus. And so this temperance really has the idea of like an athlete who must who must train, even when he doesn't feel like training. Or maybe he has to say no to certain types of food. He has to be on a special diet to get ready for whatever sport or whatever athletic endeavor he's doing. Paul uses this language in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 27. He says... You know, I'll start in verse 24. Um, verse 24. Of First Corinthians chapter nine, he says, "Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. He has self-control in all things. Now, um, no, now they can do it to obtain a corruptible crown." But we, an incorruptible, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body under, and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul saying, I'm bringing my whole body under subjection. There's going to be certain things that we have to say no to. Think about the put-offs and put-ons in Colossians chapter 3. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but Paul likens this. He uses the language of of put-offs and put-ons. You may think of you've had a hard day at work, or kids, you've been outside playing or, or, or playing sports or whatever you may do and You'd be nasty and sweaty and smell horrible and your, your shirt's probably sour from all that sweat or dirt from working hard. Brother Sergei in landscaping there, he'll, he'll have days where he smells bad working hard. There's nothing that feels better than a nice, if it's hot, a cold shower. If it's, it's cold, a nice warm shower to clean you off and to put that soap and to gl- clean that sweat off and to clean the grime out. And to put on some nice, clean clothes—that's the language that Paul uses in Colossians three. He talks about putting off, take off the clothes of wrath, of malice, of bitterness. Of, of talks about sexual sin. Take, put off those clothes. Those are nasty. Put those away, and then, as it as it were, take a spiritual shower. Put on, and then in this case, we'd say, put on temperance. Put on virtue. Put on self-control. Put on knowledge of, of knowing the Lord. So, how could we apply that today? You know, there have been times, I just have to admit, there have been times where my children are trying to get my attention. Daddy, 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 and what have I been doing? Just mindly scrolling through my phone where I've ignored my children. What type of example is that? Well, there's times we need to put that thing away. So, whatever the case is for you, you you personalize this. How can I apply this to my life? Is it screen time? Is it too much TV? Or is it temper? Losing temper? Lack of self-control? This could be anything. Apply this personally. Take some time and ask the Lord to show you Through His Word, Lord, show me where I need to grow in in temperance or in virtue or in knowledge. What do I need to put off, God? What do I need to put on? Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. Patience. This has the idea of endurance or perseverance. This really has the idea of being firmly planted, firmly planted. Rooted, not being swayed by the winds of culture, but firmly rooted in God's word. I use this this word picture to our children recently. Children, you'll remember. Kids, you know Claire or Avid? Y'all know what a lighthouse is. Like a light, okay, you know what a lighthouse is. Well, I want you to imagine being on a boat and it's dark and it may be stormy. I mean, you may not know exactly where to go, but man, that lighthouse When they turn that light on, then, okay, good, I'm close to shore, I know where I am. That's what God's Word is for us. God's Word is like a lighthouse. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I remember my good friend and and the pastor at, at church that Brother Ray used to be a member of at Friendship, Brother Andrew Beecham, one time we were driving back from somewhere, and he was just being, we were foolish teenagers or maybe older than that, I don't remember But he decided, it was probably 11 o'clock at night, he just wanted to see what it would be like to turn his lights out. We're in Alabama, like small town Alabama somewhere, so there's no street lights anywhere. Turn his lights out and see how far he could drive. Of course, he was was more of a daredevil than me. I said, man, turn those lights back on. We had no idea where we were going. I didn't know if we were veering off the road or what we were doing. See the point, though? You see what God's Word is for us? This is what he's saying, being firmly planted. Patience, perseverance, endurance, not being swayed by the winds of culture. What would James tell us about patience? Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The trying of your faith worketh patience. When you go through tests, when you go through trials in this life, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual trials, think of Paul and his thorn in the flesh, I think of Sister Lynn Bruce, Sister Janet, who had a 16-year battle with cancer. You think that was a trying of her faith? But I'll tell you what, if you're in Christ, God is going to give you the patience that you need, the endurance that you need, and it's going to lead to maturity. It's going to lead to growth in Jesus Christ. Endurance. Endurance. You know, the uh, at Grace Chapel in a couple months, I'm supposed to be bringing some messages on Wednesday nights on the, the Revelation, the first three chapters in the letters to the seven churches of Asia. And every one of those seven churches, except, I believe, two churches, John has some pretty sharp rebukes for. Rightly so. But... There is one thing when he is when he's encouraging them and exhorting them in, in, in what they're doing well. He talks about their patience. He talks about their patience. That's the one common that I've seen so far. The one common positive that he talks, talks to them about, talks uh, encourages them to grow in is patience, endurance, perseverance, not giving up, being firmly rooted, being steadfast. Again, where will this come from? An active knowledge, knowing God. Knowledge of God's Word. Our lighthouse. Remember that word picture. Kids and older people alike. Remember that word picture. That lighthouse. And then this leads, back to 2 Peter 1, this leads to what is the the virtue and faith, and, or I'm um, sorry, to, to virtue and knowledge and knowledge temperance to temperance patience to patience godliness godliness you know, that's something missing from our culture today it's it's reverence respect a respect for God I have a good friend of mine a good Christian brother who uh, back in, in Memphis who used to live just a, a, a lewd life and a rebellious life. He was involved in gangs and things like that. And he told me that I guess this is probably back in the '80s. He said, "You know, Nathan, even in those days, if we may be cussing, we may be you know doing drugs, doing all that. If ever we passed like an, an older lady or older man, even us, we would we would stop that. We would hide whatever we we're doing and at least be respectful and, and and say yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Or if we'd even pass a church building." We would immediately stop that. Then, even, even in that time, there was even some sort of sense of some sort of respect. Even though they didn't care a thing about the Lord at the time, of, praise God, the Lord changed His heart. They didn't care a thing about the Lord, but there was some sort of respect and reverence for the things of God. And that's been lost today. And my father says, we don't know how to blush anymore. We need to learn how to blush again. To blush at wickedness. And to have, have a, respect, a higher respect of God And that's not going to come unless we have a high view of God. We need to have a big view of God because He deserves it. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the I am that I am. The first and the last. He is holy. We don't need to lose sight of that. I'm saying we, I'm right there with you. And clearly, this also must have been missing in Peter's day too. There was not the type of of respect and reverence for the things of the Lord that there should have been. Well, this talks about, this this has the idea of living a life of sanctification. What does sanctification mean? It means to be set apart. We are not like the world. It doesn't mean we go around saying, you know, I'm holier than thou at all. That's arrogance. That's pride. We'll fall if, if we get involved in that. But, but at the same time, we are not, we are called to be set apart from the world. What does Peter say in, um, well, in two different places? In first, sec, I'll read 1 Peter first. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. He says. I'll start in verse 13. This is exhortation here. he's, He's exhorting the brothers and sisters there in 1 Peter to holiness, to godliness. He says, "...wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind to be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as He which hath called you is holy." so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And conversation really means lifestyle. Obviously, he's talking about the way you talk, but it's just the way you live. As God is holy, we are called to live lives of holiness because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. He would say again in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, verse... um, Verse 11, he's, he's talking about the, the end times when the Lord's going to burn this thing up. He's going to burn, uh, he, he's going to bring fire and destroy everything and then create a new heavens and new earth. What does he say in verse 11 of Second Peter 3? He says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation or behavior and godliness? We need to have a deeper respect for the Lord. Amen. I'll say this the more we know God, the closer the relationship we cultivate with God, the more godly we will be. The the deeper the reverence we will have for Him. This is something that, that Peter, I mean, I'm sorry, that Paul would tell Timothy, To strive for or to strain for. Remember giving all diligence. Make every effort. Exhaust yourself for this. To live for holiness. And you know what? We will make time for or we will put priority on things that are important to us. I've said this here before. I'm... I'm, I'm old and washed up. I'm 33, but I'll still get up at, at before 5 a.m. to go play basketball three or four times a week. I'm not, I'm not going to the NBA. But I still do that because it's important to me. I love it. I enjoy doing that. Would I be willing, if that was the only time of day I had, to spend time with God's Word and prayer... Would I be willing to get up before 5 a.m.? I'm asking myself this. I want you, though. I want, I want you to search your soul and and, and and search yourself. Would I be willing to put that sacrifice down if that means going to bed earlier or or just maybe losing a little bit of sleep in order to spend time with the Lord? My point is we will make time for what's important to us. So what's he saying? He's saying strain for this. Make every effort. Give diligence. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, temperance. To temperance, patience. To patience, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And then brotherly kindness to charity. And I'll lump brotherly kindness and and charity uh, sort of together. But oh, don't we need brotherly kindness? It's that Philadelphia love, that brotherly love. That's the, a, 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 an affection, a kinship. This is what brothers and sisters in Christ are to have together to, for, for one another. And this is a type of love, really all true love, is selfless. Not selfish, selfless. It is sacrifice. It is something that's not not natural to us because it means there may be times where I have to say no to myself to die to myself in order to love my brother or sister in Christ. And guess what? I mentioned this Wednesday night at Grace Chapel. This is not based on, well, if Brother Larry treats me good, I'll treat him good. But if he treats me ugly, well, you better watch out. No, that's not the way this works. Because what is our standard? Our standard is the Lord. And in 1 John, I believe it's chapter 3, I may need you, Brother Jim or Brother Ray, to help me find it. Um, Hold on just a moment, I think. talks about loving your brother and sister in Christ. Verse 14, I don't know if that's the verse you're looking for. Of chapter 3? Yeah. We know we've passed from death into life. Okay, thank you, brother. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14... And I have this I wrote this in my Bible I don't know how long ago I, I, it, it's in this is right it says loving the brethren is and sisters is not optional. It is a prerequisite of a child of God Amen. it is not optional. How do you know how do I know if I'm saved? This is one test. Do I actually love my brothers and sisters in Christ It doesn't mean just giving them a hug or shaking their hands. It's how are we treating each other? Are we selfless are we sacrificing for one another? First John chapter 3 verse 14 We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren He that loveth not his brother abideth in death Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What is our standard? Was there anything in you? I hope you know the answer to this. That that just attracted. That made you attractive to Jesus. Like, yeah. He's a, he's a good guy. She's a great lady. I, I'll lay down my life for her. The answer is no. The answer is no. We were totally opposed to. Sin is disgusting to the Lord. May it be disgusting to us. And yet, yet out of love, out of sacrifice, He laid down His life for His children. So ought, ought also we to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a love that must be a sincere love. First Peter one talks about having a a unfeigned love. 1 Peter chapter 1, um, yeah, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing that ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. That is a sincere love. That's a love that is without hypocrisy. An unfeigned love of the brethren. That ye love one another with a pure heart Fervently. Fervently. Romans 12, I won't turn here, talks about preferring one another. Lifting somebody else above me. Oh, that's hard for me to do. Because naturally, I really love myself. What does God's word say? What is Peter imploring the saints to? To brotherly kindness. Galatians 6.10 would talk about that, that we should, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all men. But especially those that are of the household of faith. There needs to be a special love, a special kinship for brothers and sisters in Christ. And then I'll I will uh, let me read one more passage and then close. First Peter, I mean first John chapter four, he says in verse twenty If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. If we say we love God, if we say, yes, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, yet we are harboring some sort of bitterness towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to ask God. We need to repent and confess that and ask God to forgive us. And He will if we truly come with a broken and contrite heart. And so as I close, again, give every effort. Give all diligence to these. Add to your faith. But remember that the Lord... This is, this, he is writing to Christians. He is writing to ones who are already saved. So this should encourage you that you belong to Jesus. You have received this gift of faith, not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy. And so now it's time to what? To get to work. To make every effort. To give all diligence to these things. Then he says in verse Verse 10, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall for so an entrance or for in this way, you could say, shall an entrance be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you were to die today or even better, if Jesus were to come back today, what better way? Than to be living for him. To be adding to the faith that he's given us. Virtue and virtue knowledge and all of those things. Brothers and sisters. Let's be about the master's business. Let's make every effort. To follow him. In all the ways that he deserves. Are we going to do it perfectly? Of course not. Now that's not a cop out. That's not a crutch. Well I'm not perfect. I'm going to mess up. No. But it should be an encouragement. That guess what? Guess what? Guess what? We can get back right with God. Lord, forgive me because I messed up. Yes, I did blow up at, at, at my wife or, or whatever the case is. Or I did lose my temper. But Lord, forgive me. I don't want to continue to do that. He's going to bless you. He's going to encourage you. He is going to give you the grace that you need to do this. I hope these things have been a blessing to you. I love you God bless